Hello and welcome to this week's program. This program is called All In with the Lord, and most certainly that is the reason we gather together every week, or at least I do, just to remind myself what it means to be all in with the Lord. So I encourage you, if you're listening today, take a break, take a breath. Take a breath from all that's going on all around us out there in America and just ask yourself, how can I get closer to the Lord? How can I get all in with the Lord? You know, right now, we are in the midst of what I believe is going to end up being a huge revival in America, a revival of the body of Christ. I think we have learned over the years, and some to some degree, to even be pacified in the sense of not wanting to ruffle feathers, not wanting to uh, stand strong for the word, but just allow people to be who they are. Because that's what America is, right? We're allowing people to all have the freedom to do and be whatever they want to be. But I want to encourage each one of us that as Christians, we have a deeper, stronger commitment that we must fulfill. And that is, while we go about loving one another as Christ loved the church, we are to preach and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We aren't to sit back and do nothing. We aren't to be the silent majority. We should be the very loud majority talking about Jesus. Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? Does it excite you that you don't have to pay the price? Or are we so watered down because of generations of just accepting it that we just take it for granted? We just take for granted that a man went to the cross, had nails put through his hands and feet, and that he dripped every ounce of blood out of him so that you, that's right, you and I, could be totally redeemed, and that the blood was enough to cover all the sin that you and I will ever commit. I think sometimes we get a little um, laid back on that issue. And if that's the case, if you really truly love, or if we really truly love one another, then wouldn't you want to tell everyone around you about that? Well, Art, you know, it's not popular to go around talking about Jesus all the time. People get upset. Really? How upset? Upset enough to want to go to hell? Upset enough that they're going to stop you from the Great Commission, which is going to all the world and preach the gospel, to preach the truth of the word? Jesus was one man, and he came into the earth, and he did the job. Now it's up to you and I as he handed over the keys to the kingdom. So the question becomes, how are you handling it? What are you doing? What are you doing? Are, you know, we've come to a point where it's spiritually the, the, the country is at a divide. You have a spiritual civil war going on. The principles of Jesus Christ are at stake. Not America. Jesus Christ. And I believe that the real Christians are about to stand up. Yes, the remnant, the one the Bible talks about. The remnant, the body of believers, those who aren't cowardly about their faith. Are you cowardly? Don't be. 
get up and speak the word. But people may not like it. Really? Do you think Jesus asked that question? What if they don't like me? (laughs) Well, you saw where that got him, right? He didn't worry about that. He just did it. Now, there were certain people who loved him because he was healing the sick. He was fixing things everybody said couldn't be fixed, casting out demons. He was just doing it right. But the authorities, oh, no, no. That became, they had to make a law. That had to become a law that that's wrong. It's wrong to do what he's doing. You understand? We have to make a law. And then we have to convict him on breaking that law. And then we have to crucify him. And that became the plan and the goal. Right now, in this country, the enemy has figured out how to change the laws. And if you sit back, if you do nothing, if this doesn't stir you up, then don't complain when the laws get changed and you aren't even allowed to go to church. My gosh, right now, some places in California, you can't go to church again because they've changed the deal. You can't sing. That's what they said. You cannot sing. You cannot praise and worship God because, well, my gosh, you might spread the virus. So, you go from knowing that his blood was enough to heal you in Isaiah 53 to the law has been passed and you certainly can't get close enough to lay hands on the sick and you certainly can't sing praises to God. Well, here we are, guys. What are you going to do? Are you going to wait till the law gets passed right here in Philadelphia, right here in the Lehigh Valley area and all around the surrounding areas? Are you going to wait till the law gets changed and you're not allowed to praise God? What if, what, in, what if you're not allowed to talk about God? Why, gosh, you know, you offend people when you preach about Jesus. So therefore, you cannot offend people. That must be a law somewhere we can pass that now you become the enemy because you're offending people by telling them that there's a Savior. You see, can you just see that's the goal and the plan of Lucifer? If he can legally stop, what, 50%, 60%, 90% of the Christians who abide by the law and are afraid to break the law, if he can stop them from talking about the Savior, wow, that's a perfect world for Satan. That's a perfect world for Lucifer. So what are you going to do about it? Are you going to just sit back? Or are you going to stand up now while there's still time and preach the gospel? You know, people ask me all the time, you know, uh, well, not everybody, because the ones who know me know where I, who I would vote for, what I would do in regard to the politics of life. But they always ask, what side are you on? And what side are we on? I'm on God's side. I'm on God's side. And I am on the word side. Now, you need to ask yourself, are you defending God's word in this earth? Or are you allowing the opinions of men, pastors, and churches, religions, to color your decision? I know a lot of religions where they don't even read the Bible. I mean, the people don't. Uh, they expect the, the leader to read it for them and then preach on it. But most people in some religions just don't ever pick up the Bible, which is the Word of God. And well, all the lives that were given to write those stories so that you and I 
could just pick it up, read it, and make sense out of it because the Holy Spirit is with us to guide us and guard us and lead us in every direction. What are you going to say to God when he says, I put that book right in your hands. I even put it in every hotel room you went to for a while till they outlawed it. So what are you going to say to God when he says, what scripture did you like the best? <laughs> and you go, huh? Um, uh, the one that talks about Jesus and Christmas. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Man, that's, that's sad. If that's all you know, is that a Savior was born, you know, and you would like it because it has to do with you getting gifts at Christmas time, which, you know, just amazes me how that all evolved anyway. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about what God has in mind as we come into a time where we're going to have the biggest revival that this country has ever seen. Yes, the biggest, the loudest, the most impactful awakening, revival in this country that it's ever seen. And it's happening right now. The coil, you know, you ever see a spring where you coil spring, you push it down, you push it down, you push it down, and then all of a sudden it goes, or a jack-in-a-box. You crank it down, you crank it down, you crank it down, and it, boom, and it pops up. That's what's going to happen with the church right now. The body of Christ, the real remnant. The re I'm talking about the real ones now, not, not the fake Christians, but the real ones are going to pop right out of the box. Can't contain it anymore. That day is upon us. That day you have lived to see. And if it scares you, that's good, because it's called respect for the power of God. So we're about to see that happen. Now here in Philippians 2, um, verse 8 through 11, New International Version, this is about Jesus. And it says, as, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, <clears throat> that every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hey guys, let me tell you a secret. Jesus is coming back sooner than you think. However, there's still time to do your part. Now, I'm going to read that again because Jesus was born in the earth like every other baby. And he found himself by, you know, of what age, I don't know, where he became aware of the fact that he was a man. He was now in a man's earth suit. We call the, <clears throat> we call the um, body... <clears throat> that we need to operate on earth, an earth suit. You can't operate without an earth suit. If your earth suit stops functioning, you eject. That's right. You eject. You, the real you, the spirit man inside of you, ejects out of the earth suit. <clears throat> the earth suit then is useless without the mind, the soul, and the spirit. So out it goes. And you're now back into the spirit. You are now a spirit man. And spirit is a real thing. 
but you just can't see it, touch it, or feel it because it's operating at a frequency above the speed of light. And uh, the, the Earth suit is so that you can take that spirit man that operates at that higher frequency and operate below the speed of light here on Earth in that Earth suit. So when you drop off your Earth suit, bang, you know, you're no longer limited to this world, but you no longer can operate in it also. So you move on. Okay, so Jesus found himself in, the appearance, uh, in appearance as a man, and then knowing who he was, because he now knew, somehow God arranged, he knew all that he was as Jesus, as God, as part of the Godhead, but he humbled himself. He didn't try to beat everything on earth for himself. He could have said, look, you know, I could become the wealthiest guy on this planet. I could even beat Lucifer. I could do it all. But he humbled himself and said, I'm going to become obedient completely to what the word of my Father in heaven has ordered. And that is unto death and death on a cross. He knew that from his earliest stages. He knew what his goal was. He had a goal. And that goal was to go to through three years of, of, of a ministry with a, with a goal at the end of laying down his life and being tortured and crucified on a cross. What an amazing thing to see. It's, it's so spectacular when you sit back and think about it, that it is enough of a scene that will keep law and order intact in heaven and all of the universe for all of eternity, because all of creation got to see what was in God's heart, in God's heart. Who is this God? Can we trust him? Does he really love us? How could he love us? Yet God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, the Christ, to go to the cross and die for our sins. But not just for us. Yes, it, it was for us, but all of eternity, all the angels, all of creation have witnessed how much God loves his man. How about that? Demonstration of love. God loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son. And that's what the story is. He came, laid down his life, and um, to death on a cross. Then, after the death, after he descends into hell, God exalted him to the highest place in eternity and gave him the name that is above every name. So, anything that's named in the earth, under the earth, anywhere on the earth, is under the name of Jesus. That name, Jesus, is amazing. And that what, at the sound of the name of Jesus, when you say the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. And so, whether it's uh, in heaven or on earth, so wherever Jesus goes, in his name, everything has to bow. He defeated everything. 
Now, he gave you and I power of attorney to use his name. He has the name that is above every single name. And if he has the name that's above every name, and every knee will bow, and he gave you power of attorney to use that name, why aren't you using it more, knowing that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord, on the earth, under the earth, above the earth, anywhere you go. So the name works, right? Here in Ephesians 3.14, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts uh, through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, all that we ask that we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. What he's saying here, first of all, is that Jesus came, God, through Jesus, came into the earth to demonstrate what's in his heart, the, how much he loved us, and that for every family in heaven and earth, we get our name from God himself, because we have the name of Jesus. And, and he prays for our strengthening of a power of the spirit of the inner being so that the, so that Jesus the Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. So he dwells in our heart through faith, right? And he were root, and he wants us to be rooted and established in love. We are to be just like God. We are to be, we were made in his image and likeness. He wants us to grasp the love of God. The love that he gave. Now, of course, the name of Jesus is so powerful that if you use it intentionally and believe in it, it will do miracles in your life. It's no wonder that Lucifer wants you to curse using the name of Jesus. It's amazing how, as we grow up, we're taught that naturally. To use the name of, especially as guys, I don't know about girls, but guys are naturally or very willing to contribute to cursing. And what do we call cursing? We're, we're cursing the name of the Most High God. Only Lucifer could come up with that one, huh? I mean, why wouldn't you come up with uh, some other stupid word, but not the name of the living God? That would be, that would have to be intentional. For you to automatically say, 
Jesus Christ and say it in a way that is demeaning, degrading, uh, you would have to intentionally, you would have to intentionally uh, want to do damage to the Godhead. And that's Lucifer. And Lucifer somehow, through original sin, got in every one of us and caused us to want to go in that direction. So we need to wake up to the fact that Lucifer became the god of planet Earth. He directed us in a way, pushed us in a way early on in our lives, before we even knew what we were doing, to try to get us away from God. He's trying to get you away from teaching your children about God. He's trying to get you to shut up and be silenced. So don't get up and, and raise your voice talking about God. It's about time that if, if anybody's going to bow their knee to anything out there in the world, it should be to the name of Jesus. So we're going to go and bow our knee out in public to the name of Jesus and let the world know we bow our knee to Jesus Christ. No one else. No other cause. No other right. No one else has the right to that. I bow to the name of the living God. And if you don't like it, well, go see my father because he dispatched angels to protect me. A thousand might fall at my side, ten thousand at my right, but it shall not come near me. He sent his angels to take care of that, and I am relying on it. So here in Ephesians 2, 11 through 13, it says, Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth, called uncircumcised, by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at the time you were separate, separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, which was us, especially us that aren't Jewish, uh, without hope. We were without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So not only was the blood of Christ to fulfill the covenant for the Jewish nation, but it was to get all of the Gentiles brought into the covenant, grafted into the covenant. So we, who were once very far away, are now legally brought near by the blood of Christ. So that blood was so important. It was so effective. Jesus laid it down, knowing all this, though, that it would affect eternity. It would affect billions of souls, because every soul that was ever going to be born on earth would have belonged legally to Lucifer because of what Adam did. So God sent what he called the second Adam to fix it. The first Adam blew it, and all that were born after that, were born into sin and legally part of Satan's kingdom <clears throat> until they came to a point where they could legally, uh, of age, try to keep the commandments or try to keep the law or whatever. But then God came and sent Jesus, the second Adam. And that second Adam fixed it. The second Adam did everything that the covenant said he he kept the law things you and I'll never be able to do 
He kept every law. He kept every part of it. And then he went to the cross and died so that you and I don't have to die. Ha! Yet he caused us to be born again. Now, we're going to go to a commercial break, but I just want to remind everybody listening, God's love is so intense for you that if you're suffering or going through hardship, he doesn't want that. He wants you delivered from it. I don't care what anybody's told you. I don't care what any religion said. I'm telling you, God wants you delivered. He went through an awful lot of trouble to do it, and we need to learn how to get that deliverance that's available to all of us. It's amazing. It's incredible. But so is God. God so loved the world, he sent his only son, Jesus, into it to give you life so that you could have life and have it more abundantly. Amazing. And uh, we're talking about being all in with the Lord. We're talking about the mighty, mighty, mighty power in the name of Jesus. And we're thanking God for everything that he does for us. And we're learning how to be all in with the Lord in these days. If you don't know these are the days the Lord has made, if you don't recognize that Jesus is coming back soon, and these days are very important days, then I don't know. Maybe I just think every Christian has that knowing inside of them that we are coming close to something big. And the something big is a revival. It is a complete turnaround in the name of Jesus. So, I want to start again here. I'll read the scripture. I was reading from before I read from Ephesians 3.14. And we're talking about how we are of the whole family of God. And we, we have uh, been grafted in because of the blood of Jesus. What an amazing feat. When God Almighty dreamed all this up, as a way to send the second Adam into the earth. Uh, man, you can read that for yourself. I mean, you got to read it for yourself. Uh, because I know a lot of people say, he doesn't say Jesus is the second Adam. Oh, yeah, he does. I'm not going to tell you where it is right now. You're going to have to look it up. <laughs> but he says it. And it's quite clear. So right now, I'm going to read to you from Ephesians 2, uh, 11 through 13. And it says... Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth, haha, that's us, or that's me, uh, and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, um, remember that at that time you were separated from Christ. But now in Christ, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That's where I ended up reading in the last segment. And we are now close because of the blood of Christ. Now, prior to that was the curse that was on the whole land. Okay? And back in Deuteronomy 28, 45, 47, it says, All these curses will come on you, that they will pursue you and overtake you, until you are destroyed, because you did not obey the Lord your God and observe the commands and decrees he gave you. They will be a sign and a wonder to you and your descendants forever because you did not serve the Lord your God joyfully and gladly in the time of prosperity. Now, you mean people were being prospered and they weren't happy? So these curses come on people when they take themselves away from 
the Word of God. Now, Jesus, when he died on the cross, he kills the right, the legal right of the curse to, to overtake you. But if you don't accept Jesus as Lord, if you don't make him the Lord of your life, those, those curses will pursue you and overtake you. You won't even know how it's happening. It just happens. And um, it's up to us to joyfully serve God. So we want to, number one, accept who he is and joyfully live in that. If you can't joy, get, find joy in the fact that God so loved you, he sent his son, called him the second Adam to fix what the first Adam broke, so that you and I could have life and have it more abundantly. And when we leave this earth suit, go back to where we came from with God, instead of being quarantined in hell for eternity with a lawless... I mean, what you've witnessed on TV here with the false prophets and in the streets and all this goofiness, when you witness that, how would you like to live your eternity in a lawless, hate-filled planet somewhere or area where everybody's out of control, everybody's stealing, killing, raping, doing anything they want anytime, and you have nothing to say about it. How would you like to live in total fear of, of life, of your life and your freedom every single second of every single day of every for eternity? I mean, that's what hell is. Hell is having a dictator that you don't know if he's coming to torture you today or not. And Lucifer is that guy. Now, here in Exodus 23, 24, it says, this is important. 23, verse 24 to 26. Do not bow down before their gods or worship them or follow their practices. You must demolish them and break their sacred stones to pieces. Worship the Lord your God, and his blessing will be on your food and your water. I will take away sickness from among you, and none will miscarry or be barren in your land. I will give you a full lifespan. Let's read that again. That, that kind of had a lot in it. If ex, this is Exodus 23, and uh, it's 24 to 26. Do not bow down before their gods or worship them or follow their practices. Well, right now we're being forced to follow some practices of other beliefs of other people, which are false religions, false gods, and I'm sorry, flat out wrong. So, all those curses, we don't want those curses. We're not to bow down. We're not to worship them. We're not to bow our knee. We are not to follow their practices. You must demolish them and break their sacred stones into pieces. How do you do that? With the love of Christ. You do that by loving one another as God loves so loved the world. Worship the Lord your God and his blessing will be on your food. So we're to worship and bow our knee only to God. Only to God. You're not bowing your knee anywhere else. You're bowing your knee to God. And if anybody tells you to bow your knee anywhere else, that is something you better reevaluate in your own mind and spirit. Because God's telling you not to do it. I will take away sickness from you. None will miscarry or be barren. 
Everybody's going to have babies. Everybody's going to do good. And I will give you a full lifespan. What's a full lifespan? Do you know that? How long is a full lifespan? 120. That's what the Bible tells us. Bible tells us that 120 is, is a full span of life on this earth that God has ordained. And if uh, you're living less than that, well, we got to fix that. But God will give it to you if you do certain things. We're talking about how to get closer to the Lord here, okay? Um, now we're going to read Exodus. Um, actually, this is first, uh, chapter 14, verse 14. The Lord says, I will fight for you. You need only to be still. So God's saying he wants to fight for us. And all we've got to do is be still. Boy, what have we got to do? Except Jesus. We need to be in Christ. We need to know that the curse isn't coming on us. And we need to know that God is doing the fighting for us. But we're not to bow our knee to any other cultural religion, false gods, false ideals. No, there is but one God. That's why we fought the wars in this country for freedom of religion and freedom of speech. And today, what's happening is a certain group has come along and doesn't want to debate anymore because they lose every time you debate. They don't want to debate. They just want to say that if you say something they don't agree with, it offends them, and it is going to, you're going to have to change. Or we're going to make a law that says it's illegal for you to talk that way, and we'll put you in jail. Ha! Well, that's an interesting concept. But the power of God is about to be released on this country. The power of God is about to be released inside of each one of us if we will acknowledge and bow our knee to him. Bow your knee to only Jesus and God. Here in John 14, 13, it says, And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that thy Father may be glorified in the Son. So if you ask anything in the name of Jesus, and it actually happens... Who gets the glory? Do you get the glory because you asked in his name? No. Jesus' name gets the glory, which gives glory to the Father who said he would do for you whatever you ask in his name. Are you asking in his name? That's how we pray. We ask in his name. Now here in Joel 2.28, it says... I, and afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. <clears throat> We're in that day. We're in that latter day. We are in that day. His spirit has been poured out on all of us. Well, all we have to do is receive it. Pray in the Spirit. Hallelujah, Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Pray in the Spirit of God. And pray that um, the day of the Lord, that our sons and daughters will prophesy. We're hearing a lot of prophecies, by the way. There are a lot of people prophesying. Some are, some are most, I would say most of the Christian prophecies are really excellent. <clears throat> but everybody's kind of jumped on that bandwagon. So you have to be careful. And listen to the ones you know are tested and are of the Lord. Your old men will dream dreams. So look out for the old men. They're going to have good dreams and wake up and tell you about them. 
And then you're going to say, wow, what did that mean? What is that dream? I like that dream. And your young men will see visions. They're going to have visions. God is coming. I'm telling you, Jesus is coming sooner than you think. It's time to dust off everything, clean up your act, get ready. Jesus is coming back. Here in Romans 10, 12, for there is no difference at this time between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. So there's no difference, no difference. Jews, Gentiles, we are to love one another as God loves us, as Christ loved the church. Romans 10, 12. Now here in Romans 14, 17, or excuse me, Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So there is no place that we're going to go have a big party called the kingdom of God. It's not about the food you're eating. It's not about the good drink of wine or what brand you're drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy. My righteousness, I feel right because of what Jesus did. My joy, my peace comes because of what Jesus did for me. And my joy comes because I know I have a God who loves me. So it's because of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Are you utilizing those principles? Are you feeling that in your life? If you don't have peace and joy, there's something missing. You're doing something wrong. It's time to change. You're doing something wrong. I don't care if it's been all your life. You're doing something wrong. It's time to trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on our own understanding. Here in Galatians 5.14, it says, For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping one command. Anybody know what that is? Love your neighbor as yourself. Now listen, all of the laws, and not just the Ten Commandments, I'm talking about all hundred and whatever there are of the laws of God, All of the laws are fulfilled in loving one another. Jesus fulfilled and kept every single law. He did it as an act of love for us. Now, when we get to abide in him and learn about him, we are to love one another as he loved us. And that fulfills the law. So, all the people that we see doing crazy things around us, even our well-meaning relatives and friends who want to vote for the wrong party, in your opinion, in our opinion, (laughs) we must love them. How do we do that? By demonstrating the love of Christ and demonstrating it in a way that they would want to be more like you by not arguing and screaming and yelling, but, and certainly not hate, okay? But at the same time, the love of God, the compassion of God. I take, here's what I do. I take the top people 
that offend me the most or that I feel need the most prayer. And I silently, quietly put them on a special prayer list where every day I pray that God will help me to love them more and that the Holy Spirit will come upon them and, the, and, and that Jesus will help them to accept what he did for them so that they don't have to go to hell. Think about it. When you get to heaven and you realize that those people you were mad at, you could have been praying for, and you realize you, you would have made an, a, a huge difference just by praying, and you didn't do it, and you didn't do it, then we're going to be sad. You'll be sad. You'll be in heaven, but you'll say, oh, you'll be sad. <clears throat> I remember uh, one fellow that, as a young adult, I was very young, um, teenagerish, or maybe, yeah, teenagerish, I think. <clears throat> but I was still talking about Jesus at that point. And this one fellow I worked with asked some questions, and he asked me if I would uh, show him in the Bible some of these things. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll bring one over. I'll do that to your house. Well, back in those days, I had a fancy car, and I was driving around, and I never got to do that. <coughs> Excuse me. I never got to bring that to that person. It turns out that person later took his own life, and I never forgot that. Did Jesus get to send someone else <coughs> to him, or did I blow it for him? I'm thinking God knew I was going to blow it, and I'm praying God got to him, and he called upon the name of the Lord, and I will see him again. And I apologize for not having been there for that one soul. However, we all make mistakes, and let's not make mistakes, though, in the future. Let's learn from our mistakes. Everyone around you, the ones you like, are easier to talk to. The ones you don't like are the ones that are filled with hatred for the president and for the country. <clears throat> they aren't ones we necessarily like, but they're the ones we need to pray for. Make a list separately for those people and just keep it there. I'm talking about politicians, relatives, everybody. Make this, make this list and pray over it every day and ask God to show you how to be big enough like he is to love them enough that you would go into the earth and suffer for them, even while they didn't know you. So our enemies right now in this planet or in this country are still to be prayed for, still to be loved. And that's very important as a Christian for us to know. For the love of God, God wants us to love the world. He really does. So Jeremiah 31, 33, this is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. No longer will it be on stone, in other words. It's going to be in your heart. I will be their God. They will be my people. <clears throat> and this is the day of the Lord. 
He doesn't want us walking around carrying a list of laws. He wants your heart to automatically cause you to live life like he would want you to live life. Here in Romans 5.5, 5, And hope does not put us to shame, because godless love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So God's love is given to us through the Holy Spirit. All we've got to do is ask God how this love works. Love is a very powerful force. You see, God could have eliminated Lucifer in the beginning. That would not have been an act of love. That would have been an act of, of revenge or retaliation or an act of, um, if you don't obey God, I blow you up. So then the whole universe, I mean the universe, would have been left in a state of fear. And God didn't want to live throughout eternity with everybody fearing him. That's the whole point. He's a God of love. He wants love, respect, love. He wants us to know that his love makes it for us, makes it available for us to be free, but we need to respect that freedom so that we turn around and love him genuinely. The only way he could do that was to allow Lucifer to demonstrate who he was and then come in and defeat him on his own terms and turn it back again to love. So the entire universe throughout all of eternity is affected by what Jesus did on the cross as well. It's love. It's pure and simple love. God wants an eternity where the pivotal point is love and respect and honor, not fear that of a dictator, and not that if you cross God or you get away with something, then you're going to be found out and, and you're going to be eliminated. That's no way to live. He wants us in our hearts to be circumcised, to be changed, <clears throat> so that we can turn on purpose and be more like him more like God. And that's what the eternity is about, choosing God, choosing his way. Here in 1 John 4, verse 7 through 20. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might have that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him, and he is in us. He has given us his spirit. 
And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and they in God. And so, we know and rely on the love of God that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. So this is how love is made complete among us, that we, we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In the world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God who they have not seen. So again, love, 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 love. Love is the key. And he's saying here that God first loved us so that we would understand <clears throat> that without his love, our whole future and eternity would be over. It would be hell. And for some it will be because they continue to curse God and refuse to accept him. Our job as part of the remnant of the body of Christ is to preach the gospel. To preach it now. Right now. To get up, stop being cowardly, hiding in the corner, and tell someone that isn't a Christian how much God loves them. Tell someone that you've been holding back telling. Just look them in the eye and say, you know, God told me to tell you that he absolutely loves you and understands the pain you're in. He absolutely loves you the way you are. And, and wants to help you. And all you have to do is ask. So let's leave it at that. Would you, when you're ready, ask? Ask in, and, and use the name of Jesus when you ask. Because here in the scripture, he says, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. Let's get up off our butts and start, be, stop being afraid to talk and get out there and talk the name of Jesus. Preach the name of Jesus. Teach the name of Jesus. But most of all, love with the same love that Jesus brought into the earth. Let's go love one another, preach the gospel, and you will see this country turn around so fast it'll make your head spin. We're in a big revival. America is about to be reborn, and this is the day the Lord has made. Get ready to rejoice and be glad in it. Now let's you and I, until next week, have some good testimonies about who we talk to about Jesus. Jesus is Lord. He's coming back. We'll see you next week. <music>